You are now listening to the Oliver Manley Show. Welcome to the Oliver Manley Show. I am your host, Oliver Manalise. I'm excited to have you join us each week for a dose of inspiration and practical insights on purpose-driven work and living a meaningful life. Typically on the show, we feature a special guest who's a high achiever in their field, such as entrepreneurs, authors, and speakers. And my job is to uncover the principles and ways of being that had them overcome adversity and turn it into triumph, as well as transform their breakdowns into breakthroughs. But today is a little bit different in that it's an episode where I had the honor of being the guest getting interviewed. This is an episode from Erwin Zito's Truth About Real Estate podcast. Erwin is a friend, someone I admire and look up to. He's the founder of Hamilton Basket Brigade, a charity that people donate their time, energy, and money to to deliver thousands of meals each year to families during the holidays. He's a real estate entrepreneur. In fact, that's how we met, and he makes a huge difference through his podcast and through his company, Titan Investments, to teach people how to create long-term wealth with real estate. So I was really lucky enough to be a guest on a show where we talked about my story as a real estate investor. If you're new to the show or you're new to me, um, I spent a good chunk of my life in the world of real estate and why we dive into the aspects of my journey during this interview. We talk about rent to own, which is the strategy that I specialized in, how I invested in my first investment properties with zero of my own money, how personal growth and transformation were pivotal in my process and how that contributed to my entrepreneurial journey and the rock bottom that I had to overcome where I ended up broke, filled with fear, feeling like a complete failure, and how processing that, turning that breakdown into a breakthrough, ultimately became the foundation for who I am today. I think it's an insightful story that sheds some light on why I'm so passionate about the work that I do as a coach and helping people lead lives and do work that truly matters. I hope that you enjoy. So yeah, what's keeping you busy these days? What's keeping me busy these days? I, um, I'm, I'm working with a lot of different kinds of people, entrepreneurs, leaders, people who are in transition, uh, supporting them in just finding their growth edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, re- more recently, it's uh, adding to the chaos of my life is the podcast, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is super, super enjoyable, as I, I, I'm sure you know and understand. But as well, it just added a whole other element of time and energy being directed somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's been about me trying to find a new rhythm of how do I how do I incorporate this and integrate this into the rest of my my life and my projects, mm-hmm. and uh, still get everything else not necessarily done, but just keep things moving forward. Because I mean, as you know, as as an entrepreneur, you can get your head wrapped around marketing and social media and your email list and your podcast and making videos and content and working with customers and putting out fires. Like oh, yeah. there's, there's so many things to deal with. Okay. And it's been just this new kind of thing to juggle in my life, which it's bringing a lot of joy, mm-hmm. but also um, just trying to figure out how do I balance that out with everything else. Yeah, it's tough. 
Like, like this morning, <laughs> I was supposed to. I scheduled uh, production for the last podcast episode. I was, I did, and I didn't finish because uh, some charity stuff popped up for our charity. So you know, yeah, you can appreciate. You know, a shiny thing popped up and I had to take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even just just the shiny stuff, but it's just just stuff in general. But I, I like that you do it first thing. I mean, I have the same thing scheduled for tomorrow morning and. Mm-hmm. Uh, will will it get done? We'll we'll see. But I always try to make it a priority. But as well, there's there's so many things. There's opportunities that come up. There's calls. There's um, there's just life in general. And mm-hmm. yes, it, but but you tend to be kind of uh, on the right track. I at least I feel from my experience, just having it as one of those things. Okay, first thing in the morning, I'm going to do this high high value, high priority yeah. uh, to do item. Right. Okay, and we're going to get back to that. So for our listeners, okay, benefit, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Oliver Manalis. I am a breakthrough coach, and I work with people in a process called aligned reinvention. So all that means is I support people in having their life work and their relationships become more of a reflection of their true essence, of their truth, of their core values and a part of that part of that work uh it became really really important to me because of just my my own journey my own process for the last i'd say more than a decade of getting into real estate real estate investing becoming an entrepreneur and how important personal growth and personal development is in your business growth and your business development and uh yeah, just I found a lot of power in having that type of support and and be and utilizing some of those tools to, you know, rediscover myself or even just reinvent myself, and uh, it kind of led me on this path where I just discovered that this is something that I feel like I can be really great at, and um, now it's been the 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 work that I have go- I, I get to do for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Okay, though, let's take a step back i met you at a real estate we just happened to sit next to each other at a real estate investment network meeting you have a better memory than me (laughs) (laughs) i remember it well uh you were much younger then so was i (laughs) I, right time flies i think it was eight years ago that i met you Uh, and uh and oliver back then was like i'm uh, correct if i'm wrong but oliver back then's like you know, I was in the same boat, you know, I'm going to own a hundred properties. <laughs> I think if, if it was eight years ago, then I was probably filled with piss and vinegar. Oh yeah, you totally <laughs> were. I think you were, I think you were 24 at the time, if I'm guessing right. I, if it was eight years ago, then yeah, I was like 22, maybe 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's tons of energy. You're totally going to do it. <laughs> and, I, yeah, and I was super excited and um, yeah, everything was so, it was new. Was opening up my eyes and yeah. I was in uh, I was in sales working for another company and I was I had my eyes locked mm-hmm. on stepping into full-time real estate investing at that time mm-hmm. and to provide some context for my listeners uh, this episode will be a little bit different than, than other episodes because uh, Oliver has gone on a different path since 
having a successful uh, real estate business. And we're going to delve into that. Uh, again, the, I repeat this every episode. It's like my thing. It's like Star Wars thing where they always say, uh, uh, I don't I don't have a good feeling about this or whatever it is. Like, So my thing is I always repeat the name of the podcast. So the truth about real estate investing is not, this isn't right for everyone. And Oliver had been on a, on a path of real estate investing for several years. Like you ran your business for several years, right? Yeah, almost my whole my old twenties. Right. So yeah, so a long time, uh, and then he's no longer doing it. Uh, and so we're going to get into that uh, Oliver's business because he was pretty good at it, and then he just chose to shut it down <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. So so let's go back. Like uh, you're a Ray member. Uh, you started you started a business. Can you tell us about your business that was that was real estate related? Yeah, um, I had a lot of support from the Real Estate Investment Network. I got so many powerful tools from them, but most importantly of all, I got um, just a great great group of people around me, people like yourself who were inspirational, who empowered me, who kind of held me to a high standard. And that was that was fairly new for me. And I just remember like month after month coming back to the meetings and just noticing how people were getting things done and I wasn't like, Mm -hmm. like I was so obsessed with the information and I wasn't actually executing. I was kind of like playing around. Oh, I'll learn, I'll learn more about uh, property management or flipping Mm -hmm. or or whatever, as opposed to fully executing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I, I really got my, I got, I was like salivating over the idea of rent to own at the time. Cause I'm just like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause like I, I was, I was young. So I'm starting out with pre- pretty much nothing. And like, here's an opportunity where I can create something out of nothing, which I felt like uh, it could be a win-win if I work with, if I find people who can not get a mortgage with the traditional sense, but they can still afford it. And maybe they have like a couple of years uh, away from home ownership and then partner them up with the right investor who wants to kind of treat, be treated almost like a, like a private lender who would kind of like a guardian, someone who would own the house for that little bit. And then I can make money uh, as, as a result of putting those two mm-hmm. puzzle pieces together. Then I felt like I'm creating a win-win situation. You know, I get to create an income. Uh, some of those deals we were able to partner in. Uh, these, you know, a lot of the tenants became owners and the investors were able to make a return on investment. I felt like uh, this might be a great way for me to, uh, to to get into real estate full-time. So that was that, that was my primary focus in my real estate business was, uh, was the rent-to-own strategy, the lease option strategy. And uh, what was the name of the business? So in case- it's called the... Because some of the people yeah, will called, know it. They may not know it was you, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was called The Rent Busters. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. actually so weird to actually say it out loud because <laughs> um, it feels like eons ago now. It feels like ages and ages ago, like a whole, like a whole other lifetime. Right. Because I, I remember being at a, at a new development um, show home and uh, they dropped your name. Like, wow, Oliver's been out here. <laughs> it was, out, uh, yeah. it was, it was uh, west of Barrie. I forget the name of the city. <laughs> yeah, so you were really? out there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I felt like we were doing. We started to do really well with marketing and getting and getting the word out and being in, in re- relationship with a lot of people. So um, yeah, I think around around maybe two or three years into the business, we had some at least just a little bit of, of recognition where there was like familiarity with our name, which was yeah. 
it's just a nice accomplishment to have where it's just like, oh, people, people know who we are. That, that was, right. that was really cool. Can you, okay. So for the, for the listener's benefit, for anyone who is interested in rent to own, like you, you were very, your company was very good at the marketing. Like I know we won't, we won't spend too much time on this, but we'll get in because I want to get into like what you're up to now. Uh, yeah. Whatever but, will add value, man. But yeah, like, like I said, like you have a lot, like you, uh, were one of the very few companies that did the tenant first strategy very well. Uh, you know, most people do take the easy route and they just like post a Kijiji ad and they'll like post stuff on Facebook. They'll have a website, right? But you were actually yeah. out there pounding the pavement. Can, can you can you elaborate on what it was you were doing while pounding the pavement? Because you were out yeah. there, you're getting in front of people, like people that would that would that would uh, that would send you leads. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly, I've been so out of touch with if if rent to own. Um, doing it the tenant first strategy still still works, but I can kind of share about like what my experience was during that time, and mm-hmm. um, I'm sure some of it will still apply. But um, the way we were pounding the pavement first, it started off like we would literally put signs out on the road and say, "Call us if you can't get a mortgage." Essentially, like no, like no mortgage, no problem, kind of thing. Right, right. Um, that was and Kijiji ads and stuff like that, and looking for tenants. But uh, that was a lot of time consumed and not many results. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we really, we really cared about getting the right people in place because it's literally you have to be like just on the cusp of not being able to get a home. Like a traditional lender is saying you need more down payment or you need more time to repair your credit or you need more history of uh, self-employed income history or something like that. And they were like two, three, maybe four years max away from from home ownership. And mm-hmm. we really wanted to take care of them. But the real switch uh, in the business happened when we were like, okay, so we're going after these people who are applying for mortgages and can't get mortgages. Why are we trying to go after them? Because there's already people out there who are talking to these types of people already, and they're finding out information about them and, and, and finding out if they are good candidates for this type of program and who are those people. If we talk, if we connect with them, those are mortgage agents, they're, they're mortgage brokers, they're lenders, they're bankers, people who are in touch with people who are applying to, to become homeowners. So we, you know, if, if you are in the rent to own business, you'll realize that there's so many customers. That's why it gets a little tricky because your customer is uh, not only just the tenant, and then it can be the sources of your leads, and it definitely is the investor if you're not the investor yourself. So there's a lot of people to please. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we started connecting with mortgage agents and just started to understand what language they were speaking. And I'm not sure if if too many people were doing it at that time where they were positioning it this way, but um, we, sh- we had our program set up so that mortgage agents and mortgage brokers would understand how this would benefit so many people. And um, yeah, that's how we got the word out. We built very, very strong relationships with mortgage agents, uh, mainly across Ontario, to be able to um, you know offer this and propose this and invite people into this kind of program. So they would do a lot of that pre-screening for us and um, we got it to the point by near the near the end before we closed the business, like we would have like full packaged uh, ap- applicants with all their documentation, all their information, all the numbers crunched, everything done, and we would get it, and it would literally take us maybe 15 minutes, maybe 60 minutes to to analyze and confirm and do reference checks and things like that. But beyond that, we 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 really enrolled. 
the the people who we were working with to to take a leadership role in it because there mm-hmm. was such a huge win for them on on both ends on the beginning as well as at the end when they finished the rental program. Right, right. Well, on, on the beginning, like the mortgage agents actually able to do a deal versus they yeah. thought they had a lead that was useless. Previously. Yeah, we were really marketing like you know, you know, bring your dead leads back to life. Like if, if you have applications who are getting uh, rejected from banks and and things like that, and you and you feel very passionate about them and you think they're good quality, uh, maybe this is an opportunity for you to explore uh, this alternative, which is which is rent to own. Right. Yeah, and, and and in that case, it was a win-win-win as well. Like your mortgage agent's happy, the realtor's happy because he can do a deal. Right. And, uh, Oh yeah, yeah. There's definitely, you know what? And, and that's, we, I, I loved looking at it that way. Like you're saying where there's, you know, there's a win there where, where some people might not have seen it, which I feel like that's the job of an entrepreneur. It's to see value where other people might not necessarily see it. There's realtors who will show houses and spend lots of time and then begin to uh, build a relationship or rapport with people and then feel really let down that unfortunately they can't get a mortgage. So it's like the realtor, the mortgage agent, the home inspector, you know, uh, the lawyer. There's there's a little micro economy in each real estate transaction where Mm -hmm. a lot of people get to be a part of it. And um, we felt like we were doing a lot of good to be able to, you know, create a solution where there wasn't uh, wasn't a, a solution that was very um, well known at the time. And we're helping the bank make more money too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we're turning them, we're, we're turning people into customers where they originally thought they weren't customers, right? We're like, hey, let's train people to be your customers a few years from now. Would you be happy with that? They're like, okay, cool. So, I mean, I have a lot of. I remember just in the last maybe 12 or 18 months, some of the investors were like, yeah, we're really happy. And a lot of deals have closed. And yeah, it's, it's, it's it was really cool. Right. Full time in my life. Yeah. And you were, you were so good at the business that we have a mutual friend that hired you to coach him and then he was killing it as well. Yeah. And that's kind of, um, I'm not sure which mutual friend, cause I feel like there's two, but <laughs> there was one, who kind of really woke me up to the mentoring and the coaching where I just threw it out there. I just, just talked about how this was, is a new income stream that I created for myself and we've been doing it for, for a little while. And I would love the opportunity to spread the wealth in a way to pay it forward and share some of these ideas with somebody. And, uh, that, that gentleman was essentially my first paid coaching client a few years later, but mm-hmm. he was my first uh, person that I mentored. And within the first six sessions, like the first six weeks, he did his first rent to own deal. Then he did another one. Then he did another one. And I think it was 13 months later, he quit a high paying banking job mm-hmm. so that he could become a full-time entrepreneur, which was, I was just like blown away. And it yeah. was, I think a month or two after he quit that job is when I officially started taking uh, paying coaching clients, which was, I was just like, Oh, I was reminded of how, how incredible and fulfilling it felt to be able to do that with somebody. Right. So that's a, that's a, I guess it's a natural segue. Was that the tipping point then that got you like, okay, so and I'll, I'll let you in. I'll let you go. Like, uh, like why the decision to stop this business, to discontinue the business? There, there was a, there's a lot. And I, t- I talk about it on my website. Uh, I don't, but not many people know about this, but there was, there was a time where we were uh, getting just a little bit of recognition, like, like you were saying, and um, we would be, we would be interviewed on, on television, just Rogers, you know, Rogers TV, mm-hmm. uh, lo- local television. 
and uh, just kind of spread the word that way as well. We were really proud of the fact that we were as transparent as possible because I, I feel like at that time, you know, blogging and people making so much content wasn't as prominent as you would notice it today. Uh, during that time, we were just like, hey, what if we just shared everything with everybody, like the real pitfalls, the real risks, the real rewards, how everyone gets paid, how this is a benefit to everybody. Let's just be a completely open book and just trust that if we're open like that, then, um, you know, people would build would, would build trust in us. And it did. It really did build trust in us because we were pretty transparent and open. And um, we we did a lot of work to make sure everyone's butts were covered. And so uh, this, this, is, this is the situation that, that arose. I was also a realtor during this time, and uh, the, the Real Estate Council of Ontario saw a video that I did, a video interview that I did, and they didn't like what I was talking about and believed that I was putting people at risk. They, they thought I was putting tenants at risk. And so I get this complaint and I'm just like, what? Like, and I'm already afraid of authority figures. And I see this, this complaint listed with like seven things that they're, they're, they're maybe, you know, believing that I might have broken these rules that I may have broken. And they had like a, a photocopy of every single page of my website, uh, you're pointing things out and asking questions about it. And I'm just like, whoa, what is going on? Like, I feel like, I'm the good guy and I'm sharing publicly everything that's going on. And I see a lot of uh, people doing the strategy where they weren't uh, on the, on the up and up. And they were kind of, maybe they didn't realize it, but they were setting up a lot of people for failure. And I'm like, I'm not one of those people. At least I like, I like to believe that I wasn't. And um, eventually, yeah, yeah. So I was, I had this complaint against me and everything got torn open. I was like, I, I met with an investigator, my whole uh, my whole uh, process I had to divulge. I, I put these people in contact with everyone we've done business with. I showed all our paperwork, all this stuff. And it was like this really wow. um, violating, uh, invasive experience where I felt like I was being audited. I felt like I was being uh, looked like I was, I, was, I was an enemy or I was a bad guy or something like that. And I just felt freaking awful. I felt... Um, I was scared. You know, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get in trouble. And it's like, it's not even the fine. Like if I got fined or something like that or, or whatever it is, it's more just like my personal integrity. I'm just like, you're telling, like you're telling me that I might be a bad guy. And I know that I'm in the fullest integrity that I could possibly be in because a lot of people who I was, who I've learned from, um, like they're, they're, they're doing really well and do much more volume than me. And I'm pretty much improving on what they've done. But, um, the, my mentality was: if you think I'm doing something wrong, I will pause my operation. I'm going to. Sometimes it's easier without the license, isn't it? <laughs> Bro, it's it is. Uh, it, it added a whole dynamic. Um, but you know what? It, in the end, they didn't find anything. Like it's definitely easier to do it without a license. It, it added complication mm-hmm. to do with the license because you have this huge governing body. But what it did was that has no me, idea about like, your business. <laughs> ex- ex- exactly, you know, rent to own was kind of like uh, you, you know, if, if you're doing it completely independently, it's it's very very different, obviously. But um, I was just like, if, if I'm doing something wrong, if someone thinks I'm doing something wrong, then I'm going to stop everything, make sure uh, everything is combed through, like really really. Uh, 
fine-tuned, and then we will start operations again once we get everything approved. Because I don't want to be doing anything wrong. I want to do everything as pristine and as clear as possible where whatever document you need signed, whatever piece of paper, whatever check, whatever balance, I want to get that done. Um, but that was like that was a, that was an executive decision to make deposit because uh, that was like telling our investors, which we had so many who were like waiting for waiting for more deals, uh, are the mortgage agents, the te- the, the applicants saying we are pausing uh, due to this reason, which was it was embarrassing, obviously, right, to tell people that mm-hmm. uh, you know we're we're investigating against us and we want yeah and we want to clear it. That's kind of a messy situation, but. What it did was it gave me this a lot of space to like really think. And I, I did all this work and I'm just like, you know what? If I have to go and jump through all these hoops, like, is this really what I'm here to do? Like, is this really what, um, what enjoy, what I enjoy, what excites me? Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually it kind of helped me tune into the fact that for maybe the final year of that business, I was creating, I was building a resentment towards it because it was like this thing I needed to feed. Um, I, w- I was like, I was still, you know, 26 at the time. And I'm like, I'm like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was continually just chasing more investors, chasing more deals, but I wasn't uh, kind of filling in that gap of, can I be creative and explore and be passionate and do something on the innovative edge and things like that? That was not as important, but it was like making more and more money and doing more and more deals, which, uh, you know, for someone like me, that doesn't necessarily motivate me. And um, I just felt like I had this incredible responsibility to other people to perform. And it had nothing to do with me building something for myself anymore or something that made me feel gratified in any way. And, um, I was just finding, I was just wondering why am I so down? Why am I so depressed? And I just, I was journaling one day and I was writing and just like pure stream of consciousness. And one day I just wrote, I, maybe I just don't give a shit about this business. Mm-hmm. And that was like a huge, like, I just had this vibration through my body like just was like the first authentic and genuine thing i've ever let myself say or write to myself for a very long time and um it was you know you talk about the truth about real estate at that moment that was my truth and i couldn't go back and continue even though we had the green light way before this happened uh, to to keep going and start start the operations again and we were you know we were about to get the hit the ground running once again uh, once I faced that truth, I couldn't go back to living a lie. I was like, mm-hmm. this is done. I have to, I have to close this thing up. And within, within about a week, everything er, had, everything stopped, everything paused, everything closed down. Oh, there's so much to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I have I some little questions. For a moment. <laughs> I have some check mark to tick box questions I need to ask. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through, we'll continue on with this path. Uh, so you were young. Uh, what was the source of your first down payment? The joint venture partner. Okay. And so, um, there's a saying in real estate that you hear where they say, if there's a good deal, the investors will come. Mm -hmm. And I kept hearing that over and over and over again. I'm like, BS, no way. Oh, oh, yeah. People jump on RTOs all the time. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and then it actually did happen. I said, yeah. we, we set up one of these, we set up one of these deals and it was within the first maybe two or three months of us being 
full time in this business, I was like, hmm, like how much how much balls do I actually have? Like let's take let's take a risk here. And I said, we can partner with you and we'll manage this and we'll see this through to the end. Yeah. Make sure the deal is closed um, for a for a percentage of for a percentage of the profit and a percentage of the cash flow. Mm-hmm. And we did it again and we did it again and we did it again. And it was just um yeah, to to know to know by experience that that is possible with not just real estate with anything. That's I feel like that's possible, and I truly believe that that's possible with anything. That you can create something out of nothing. If you're a true entrepreneur, you can create value where other people don't see it. And if you can do that and help people see that vision, people will buy into it. So mm-hmm. in essence, it's true. If, if you have a good deal, the money will come. The investors will come. And so yeah. that's that was the beginning for us. Yeah, the value is there because what you had was unique. Like You did all the hustle up front to put the deal together. Yeah, we wanted to do it so, so well where it's just like completely on a platter. It's like everything is done. You don't have to do anything. Pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of information. Do you still own any real estate today? No, the last one got sold maybe a year and a half ago. And that one was that that one was really cool because um it was just it it was literally just a actually you know what? You know what's so funny? That was the first mentoring that I did and I said I will mentor you on rent to own and I'll do it for free, but if you create a result, I want a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And so that, and so that's what happened. It was, um, it was 25, I think it was like maybe 20, I think it was 25% of the cash flow and, and, uh, the profit overall. Mm-hmm. And we sold that at about a year and a half ago, I think it was. So, and so there, there you go. That like, I was mentoring somebody and I just said, I'll mentor you and I'll coach you and I'll train you. I'll give you my process, everything, but I want, I want a piece of this. Mm-hmm in exchange and we got cash flow and we got we got money for i think it was like three or four years mm-hmm. and you know it's so funny the person um the person who bought the tenant who bought that from us they ended up needing to move or wanting to move to nova scotia and they sold right after and they made sixty thousand dollars <laughs> like so they so the price that we set you know to sell it to them for yeah. was it was good for us but it was also good for them because only a few months later they sold and made $60,000 and brought their money over to Nova Scotia where they're, they're living a great life. Like affordability is much different out there. Okay. Just as a quick disclaimer to our listeners, getting into an RTO as the tenant (laughs) is not a good idea for flipping. (laughs) It's worked out quite well for a lot of people in in this market. (laughs) Yeah, these are these are just you know one one off stories. I mean, there's there's many many stories, but like yeah, on, on, I feel on the tenant side, it's more: do you want to own? Do you want to become the the owner of this place and have a program to follow that'll get you that'll get you from A to Z? That's really what it's about. To to turn it into a profit or a business from the tenant side, definitely not. Now, for investors, do you think real estate is still a valid investment vehicle? I think, um, so we were talking about this, I I think at lunch and and on the phone a while back, but I think real estate is a powerful vehicle for investing. And I think the, I think the, I think the main thing, so there's, so first of all, this is what I would say. 
I love that you say it's a vehicle and how, how it's, and it's the perspective is it is a vehicle, mm-hmm. but you got to be a really great driver. Mm-hmm. So the example that I give is if, if you don't know how to drive or don't even know how to drive stick and I, and I give you a, like a Lamborghini on your driver, which by the way, I do not have a Lamborghini, right, right. <laughs> but if, if you had a Lamborghini and it was, and you know, and it was manual transmission and it was on your driveway, gave you the keys left for a week, what would you do to that car? It's either you let that car sit cause you can't drive it or you would take it out and you would just grind, you know, grind it out or you would stall it and you would just, you would ruin it. You wouldn't get the fullest experience of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to any vehicle that you're investing in, uh, you got to invest in yourself first to be a really great driver of what, whatever vehicle uh, you do. And that's why it's important to have uh, someone like yourself on their on their side, someone who is an expert, someone who has an information uh, advantage. Uh, have a network of people around you who can who can show you the ropes, who can show you from their experience and uh, educate yourself as well, like read a lot of books, take a lot of courses, just so that you have enough information on your side and then you feel comfortable and feel confident. And also, you know, know that know what you're exactly trying to uh, accomplish with this vehicle, because a vehicle is just to get from A to Z. So um, if you want to get from one point to the next, what's that next point? Are you going to sell when the market hits a certain number? Are you going to hold on for the right. rest of your life or a certain period? Or like, what's going to what's going to help you decide if you're going to sell or hold or 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 whatever it is? Um, so I think that's the first thing. But the the second thing is it's um, I, I think when you, when you look at real estate as uh, an opportunity to invest as it is right now. And, and again, I'm like, I'm kind of out of the loop with it. It's really, really hot. So some people are just getting in and banking on the fact that it's hot and then the prices will go up. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that is the same edge as someone like yourself possesses where you can see value where other people can't see it. If you have the edge in, I know how to manage property really well. I know how to increase my rents really well. I know, I know that in this area, um, there's there's improvements in transportation or there's new jobs coming in. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a huge uptick in the, in the next five, three or five years or 10 years, or whatever it is. If you have that edge, then definitely I believe real estate is a is a powerful uh, investment. So I appreciate the plug. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll EMT you that 50 bucks I owe you. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned- I just know that you're, I know that you're doing great work and I, I know you take, you really take care of people. So, um, yeah, anytime, man. That's great advice that you, you mentioned, like have an information advantage. Like, and if you don't have an information advantage, make sure your team has an information advantage. Uh, now can you, uh, you mentioned books, uh, I think you mentioned training. Is there anything you recommend to people? Hmm. Either, either books or training that works. Uh, I, I, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I haven't been a rain member for a long time. I don't know what it's like. Um, I, so I, I know people who, who still get value from, from rain. I know people who, who get a ton of value from, from rockstar. So I'll give you another plug. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people get a lot of value from, from working with, with you, but, uh, when it comes to books, I don't, I would say if you were going to look at, um, just your own basic psychology, cause it's not necessarily about, uh, mm-hmm. real estate, but, mm-hmm. There's two books I really love, and I read them at least once a year, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe is a super powerful tool, uh, as well as Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. 
Oh, I haven't heard that one. And for and the listeners, a- I'll link to all these things. So Rain, to Rockstar, Think and Grow Rich. And what was the last one? Maxwell Maltz's uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, which is really cool because it just talks about how uh, what you think, what you believe to be true, like in, in terms of the way you look at yourself, your self-image, is going to determine exactly what course of actions you're going to take and exactly what you believe is possible and not possible. So if you begin to shift that, your, your own self-image, it's like um, uh, Philip McKernan is one of my coaches. He says, we give ourselves what we feel we deserve. So if you don't feel deep down to your core that you deserve a certain thing, you can try every strategy that you want. That level of belief inside of you that doesn't believe it, uh, it's, it's just not going to make it happen. So I right. feel like that's, so that, that aspect is, is important to explore. Right. I think th- it's funny when you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was create so much value, you'll get, some, you'll get value back because it's there. Yeah. That could be the flip side of it as well. Imagine if you do both. <laughs> yeah, well, do, yeah, you do. You can. You can do both. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's the whole thing. That's, that's that's the challenge that we have is can you just continue to uh, plug away in in multiple different areas? Because most people will think that uh, their lives are they can be compartmentalized. Most people that I work with they try to achieve in spite of themselves. So let's have a lot of business success and I'm really good at making money and, and building my business, but I can, I can totally not, uh, in, don't need to invest in my physical body, my physical well-being, or my relationships or anything like that. And, and th- that is not going to spill over into other areas. They, they don't realize that human beings are, are a cohesive unit. We are a, a complete system. So if you are dissatisfied, uh, let's say, in your, in your relationship, that will definitely find its way in your business. Mm-hmm. Don't kid yourself. Like there, there will be limitations in your ability to express yourself in your ability to connect and your ability to take risks um, and vice versa. All your business challenges and problems. Don't think that you can just leave that at the desk at the office. That's going to find its way in how you, you spend time with your family, with your kids. So um, it's not to, to crap on everybody, but just to realize that we are, uh, we are thinking that we can get away with being disintegrated in our mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that these are all separate areas when really everything, one thing leaks into and out of the other. So um, it's, it's super important to look at it that way. Yeah. Just, just to add to that, what, what I've seen with working with clients is when the partners don't agree. Uh, so say one partner all in, they want to buy, you know, two, three properties in the next year. And then their partner's like, that's taking too many risks. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. You're going to fail. That will not work out. Even if partner <laughs> one is successful in buying good properties that cash flow that, that appreciate and do well, like as soon as anything goes wrong, like, you know, like uh, the front door gets broken or the tenants moving out, the other partners all over them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they like over exaggerate, like really like a broken door. Who cares? Like, you know, I'm cash flowing, like, Say you're cash flowing 200 bucks and your mortgage pay down is $500 and your, your property appreciated $10,000. Big deal. Broken door. Right. <laughs> right. But that's not, it's things are going to fall apart. Like I, I've seen it too many times. And so I always warn clients like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for thing. those no, of you out there picking game. partners, make sure that whoever you pick is supports what you're doing. <laughs> so, so I, I think that's an important point. It's, it doesn't matter. Um, like what it is, I feel like if it's a real estate, if it's a property, you're yeah. getting in, you're getting in bed with that property. Yeah. 
Like, you know, all the ins and outs and all the deep, dark and shiny aspects of it, you're getting in bed with it. So you're getting Mm -hmm. married to that property. So imagine if you have a partner involved in that, whether it's a spouse or just an investment partner, Mm -hmm. like you're getting in bed with them too. Mm -hmm. All their fears. uh, and, And that's the thing. Two people together who are both operating fear does not work. Mm-hmm. Like if, if one person has to at least be coming from their essence, coming from their power, mm-hmm. because two people who are who are coming from fear, they're completely closed. They're coming from survival. And um, yeah, you're going to be in partnership and in a marriage with that partner. And you're going to be in a marriage together with that property. And some people, if, if you don't treat it that way, that type of care, then I feel like that's where you, you'll have extra chaos and extra levels of suffering where it doesn't need to be right so um spend spend a lot of time before uh you know choosing and investing and tying yourself up that way mm-hmm. and it's not just investing it's like if you're starting a business you, or even if you're getting a job right say your job requires you to travel if, you're, if your partner's not, <laughs> so like if your partner's not into you being away a week of uh, one week each month you know it's not going to work out <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so now let's get into your business and your clients. Uh, I like I imagine when someone seeks out a coach, something's gone wrong along the <laughs> way, right? Am I right? Uh, I I I get or, what I get where that comes from, but mm-hmm. it's not it's less often than you think. Really? So people are just trying to yeah. optimize as well. Like you know, I'm already running at like ninety five percent. I want to be at ninety nine percent and go find Oliver. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It's uh, the people that I have the privilege of working with. They're they're doing well and they're successful uh, in their own right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they've they've reached the limitation of doing things completely on their own. Right, right. Um, sometimes you know, some of the, the the people that I get to work with, they look around, and all they see is one hundred percent. Yeah, everything is great. Everything was good, and just pure kind of yes, you know, like yes, man, yes, man. And, you know, like there's this one woman that, that I, that I worked with and she's super powerful. She's also, uh, in the, in the, like kind of like a finance and, and whatever industry, like when it deals, dealing with lots of people's uh, investments or lots of responsibilities, has people working for her and things like that. And she just, she, like her ability to be in tune with what is happening in a relationship and a conversation is just, it's not there. And she keeps talking and talking and talking and right. we're like 10, 15 minutes in a conversation and I couldn't get a word in. Mm. And I said, hold on a second. Can I stop you? And we just take a, take a moment to like breathe. And I said, listening to you is like trying to swallow a waterfall. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, what? And I'm like, listening to you is like trying to swallow a waterfall. This is not a conversation station you're just speaking at me mm-hmm. and, and we just started to go over why she is so challenged in, in 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 terms of her life as well as her business it's because there is nobody around her to ever call bs on her or ever call her out or ever just have her check herself mm-hmm. so uh we we have a limitation when we are working uh when, when we're working for ourselves or have people working for us uh if you, if you look at some of the most successful people in in sports or business or whatever it is they have a lev- level of humility to say okay i, I got to ask for help now like i've gone as as far as i can on my own in this area i need other schools uh, other skills other tools other other perspectives i need an, i need someone from the outside to look at me 
while I'm playing on the field and, and tell me you have more energy, keep pushing or mm-hmm. come onto the bench. You need to take a breather. There needs to be someone out there. So, um, yeah, a lot of the people it's they're they're successful, but they're waiting for that last, you know, they're trying to find out how do I get to the last 10%, the last 5%, like you were saying. Hmm, that's interesting. She, she was, so she was successful yet. She's someone that just talks at people. Yeah, she's success. She's, it's interesting that she's successful. And I feel like she's successful because she's so passionate and so energetic and she mm-hmm. just, she can really talk at people. But, uh, the, the conversation, the, the work that we did together was about deepening her listening, her de- deepening her ability to be with other people and have more genuine connections, which leads to longer lasting relationships as opposed right. to because she's so challenging to actually be with because it's like swallowing a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll work with her, but I, I might avoid her in the future, <laughs> you know, just cause it's, it's hard for me to, to do things. I'm just going to be sold, you know, whatever it is, I'm just going to be sold as opposed to being listened to and, and feel acknowledged and, and heard. Right. Now I actually ran into someone that with a similar problem, like I'm on my first call sales call, like he's selling me something. Cool. And he cut me off while I was introducing myself and then just started blabbing. <laughs> like, like, like I, I'm not, I'm not easily offended, uh, but it, it is rude and you can't begin to advise someone to consult someone without knowing anything about them. <laughs> so, so, uh, what were some exercises or advice that, uh, that my listeners can take away from like that? What did you have your client do? to improve on the situation. Yeah. You know what? And I I find that um, with this type of situation, you'll, you'll come across it because, you know, we live in a culture where everyone's, I mean, you hear this all the time, right? People are waiting for what they're going to say next. They're just waiting for that opening so they can say something as opposed to actually fully being engaged Mm -hmm. in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And for, for this person, what we did was, so the, so the work that I do, I'm so, I'm not as interested in just the content of your life because the content of your life, it just shows up as, okay, she just talks so much, right? She just talks a lot and nonstop and doesn't let anybody to get a word in. I'm interested in the context behind it because the context is very decisive. If you're coming from a specific context, it'll, it'll immediately direct what the content of your life looks like. So I'm interested in what happened for her to be this way. Where did she learn that from? What was the example of it? How does that shape her worldview, how she sees herself, how she sees herself fitting in with the world? Um, and, and what we got down to is that this is a strategy that has allowed her to win um, in her life because this is how she gets to prove she's worth something. Mm. Hey, look at me. I'm valuable because I have all these things to say. Hey, look at me. I'm worth something because I have all these ideas and all these opinions and all these mm-hmm. things that I'm, up, that I'm up to that I'm thinking about and all that stuff. And it's, and it's like, it becomes this overcompensating. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like she's overinflating and manufacturing her significance and her worth when really she doesn't need to do that because people who are spending time with her already value her. She literally doesn't need to say a word. There's already value right. um, in her experience and, and in her, uh, in just her, in her essence. So some of my suggestions were to have her be uh, generously listening to people to, to, you know, one of the things that I, that I ask people is who are you without all the doing? 
So many people look at their identity and their self-worth as they have to do stuff. They have to accomplish. They have to create results. Yeah. And if they're not, then they're not worth anything. They're worthless. They're useless. And who are you without all the doing? What happens if you stop and you return to being? What, what happens when you just return to being? Is that enough? This is is that a value? <laughs> yeah. And so for, so for her, it was for her to learn and accept the fact that her presence and giving people um, so there's, there's five things that people need. People need to be seen. They need to be heard, loved, acknowledged, and understood. So if you're really, really good at what you do, it doesn't matter what, uh, what role in terms, if it's family or business or service or whatever it is, if you can give people those things, that is a ton of value. And a lot of that has to just be sitting back listening to somebody, reflecting back what you hear from them and making sure you're both sharing the say the context of relatedness. Yeah. Hey, this is what I heard you say. Is this what you mean? Why is that important to you? If you accomplish that, what would that do for you? What does that say about you? How does that affect your relationships? Like really seeking to understand. So it, it has her become, uh, come from a question as opposed to always having the answers. So it's like being willing to say, I don't know, being willing to ask the questions and being willing to actually sit back and allow a couple of breaths, like some silence in between and to just really take in, like, listen, what, listen from, from your, from your head, your heart and your body at the same time. Uh, for some of the listeners, I'm sure this sounds easy. It's not easy. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I've met the people like your client where you'll say something and then when they, then, then when it's their turn to respond, whatever they say has nothing to do with what you told them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and like, and that, that was, the, that was, the we had these great oranges. <laughs> that was the first problem that I saw with her was I would ask a question, a very simple question, like what's working in your life? And then it would just go on and on. Like, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. So this happened and I had to get a new car and then I had this happened and then I had to go over here and this person called me about a project, a new opportunity, and I'm going to be running this event. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm a I asked you what's working. <laughs> <laughs> so it almost turned into, okay, we need to stop. And these are the new rules. I ask a question, then you answer. I ask a question, then you answer. And that was like the only way to proceed. Like that was the best way for us to actually get stuff done. Otherwise she could, I could, I could put the phone down, walk away and she would, she would fill the whole hour. Mm -hmm. No, easy control, easy, easy money. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be? So what, what are some other problems that people approach you with that they need solving? I, I think one of the, um, the most common ones that I've, that I have been noticing in people is just, just a general, sense that something is missing like there there is not not, not that this, there's something wrong but that there's something missing and typically uh it's just a lack of alignment mm -hmm. so there's so there's a couple of exercises that i do with people to help them discover what is your essence so like you erwin mm -hmm. when you walk in when you walk into a room mm -hmm. like you you have an essence i don't even need to hear you say a word. You don't need to look at me. You don't even need to make a facial expression, whatever it is. You walk into a room and there it is. Your essence is there. And, and for you, from you, I get a calmness, a wisdom and a grounded level of power. And I'm sure if, if people listening to, to this 
know who you are and have been listening to you for a while, they'll see that when you're doing your best work, they'll see the essence that I get to see, which is there's that grounded power. There's that calmness. You know what I mean? So I've heard this um, in the early episodes of the podcast, but yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As you got probably more comfortable when you got more effortless with it, it definitely starts showing. Um, So, so we all have an, we all have this essential nature that we come from when we're, when we're doing our best work Um, as well on the flip side of that is understanding what our survival mechanism is, which in, in a large part we created when we were younger, but it also has created us. And this is, we created these aspects of ourselves, these characteristics to survive unsurvivable situations. So when you are, uh, when you are understanding and clear of what your survival mechanism is, like for me, um, I know I'm coming from survival. I'm coming from this place of fear. If I'm being ungrateful, if I'm being selfish, if I'm slacking and things like that. So I could actually identify uh, moment to moment in real time, oh, I'm in my survival right now. I'm actually in survival mechanism. So it's like you're constantly able to just check yourself. So it's understanding your essence, your survival mechanism. Um, we get down to what your core values are. So what are the, what are the values uh, that you operate by? And when these things are missing, uh, this is when life is going to be a drag. This is when it's going to be super, super exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you find out what your when you find out these aspects, you can start looking at, okay, is my life, my work, my relationships, my hobbies, how I use my time, my intellect, my energy, are those things reflecting my essence, my values, my truth? And if they're not, then you got to turn that into action. Okay, what, what action do I need? Because awareness is not enough. Awareness mm-hmm. without action is completely bankrupt to me. So... I, I almost every single client will say, but I know this stuff, but I know this already, but I know it. Okay. But what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. And most of them, well, they have no answer for that. They're just like, yeah, it's true. So you got to turn knowledge into wisdom by taking action. When you fully know it and have that wisdom and you start living it, then you will have insight. So, um, yeah, you find out what that next action is. So if, if I have this, uh, core value of, exploration, more exploration in my life, and it's not there, you're going to feel like something is lacking, something is missing. So until you until you satisfy and find ways to support yourself in that area of I need more exploration, whether that's learning something new or traveling, uh, again, that's why the context is so important. You, your context might be exploration, and it might end up looking like travel, whereas somebody else might have the content of travel, but their context is coming from I need to escape my life. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's, it's going to be the context for everybody shapes how we, you know, how we decide and how we act. But, um, yeah, that's usually the biggest thing. It's, it's, can I, can, can I support them in having their life be more aligned and really, so really I call it reinvention. Um, but it's more them just becoming more of who they are and performing, uh, they're p- performing at their greatest level of power and accessing more possible possibility by being more who they are. Most fascinating. Uh, so <laughs> what, what else, what else are you seeing holding people back from being who they are? Is it something they've been taught when they're younger? Is it negative partners or. Cause I see it all the time. I think we all see it all the time where people's dream is not to do the job they're doing. The dream is something else. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's there. There's a lot. Um, I, I would say probably the biggest thing that uh, holds people back is thinking that things should be or shouldn't be a certain way. So there's this great quote by a woman named Tracy Goss, and she says, life doesn't happen the way it should. Life doesn't happen the way it shouldn't. Life happens the way it does. So whether you got the deal, you got the client, or you didn't, or um, you got the day off, you got the girl, you got the guy, or whatever it is, you know, there's going to be this constant conversation in our head of, it should be this way. I should have got the girl or I shouldn't have, or I, that shouldn't have happened to me. I shouldn't have, like, like for me, I, I shouldn't have been investigated, you know, like I, I should, I should have been more successful. I should have done more. Mm-hmm. There's this constant conversation that we should be or shouldn't be exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I feel like that is the source and cause of so much of people's turmoil and so, and suffering. We do it to ourselves by thinking that it needs to be a certain way when it, when it isn't. So, so much of it is like, can you surrender and accept that for the rest of your life, there will always be this, this tape in your head. You know, you like, literally you will, you will go and you will die. You will be on your deathbed and there's going to be things that you feel like should have happened and shouldn't have happened. So, might as well just do whatever you be- whatever you believe is important to you. Might as well go after it. There's literally nothing left. There's nothing to lose because even by the end of your life, you will have things that you're satisfied by and not satisfied satisfied by. You will feel like there's things that should be and shouldn't be. That will be forever. So quit letting yourself get drowned down or, or bogged down by the worry and the stress and the suffering of that, and just realize. That's just human nature. We have this this universal conversation that we all have about this should be and shouldn't be, mm-hmm. and just accept it that it's going to happen, and then just go for it. Like whatever it is, just go for it anyways, mm-hmm. because that's just going to be a constant. Right. Like one of the things I, I live my life by is I don't want to have any regrets. And mm-hmm. I'll give a quick small example. I was walking on Queen Street in Toronto, and there's a guy dressed kind of loud. And it was, it was early because I was on my way to work. So it was like 8 a.m. in the morning. He's pushing a stroller, like big, big sunglasses. Like he's wearing like a snake, looks like, looks like a snakeskin jacket and <laughs> designer jeans. And I, I think that's Doug Gilmore. So for the hockey, people who don't know hockey, he's like, oh. he's like my favorite captain of the Baby Leafs. It's 8 a.m. Yeah. He's with his kid. So I don't really want to bother him. There's nobody else on Queen Street. So even if I do bother him, no one else is going to bother him. And I'm not, but I'm not sure because like he's dressed like the way he's dressed the way he is. He's wearing big sunglasses. Not positive it's him. So I keep walking past him. And I think I'm going to regret this if I don't <laughs> say something. So that was exactly the thought in my head. Uh, and so I went back to him and like, are you Doug Gilmore? And he's yes, I am. Like, can I get a selfie with you? <laughs> and he said, yeah, of course. Like, Doug, you're my favorite captain of all time. Like, <laughs> and, and, uh, and how, how did you have fear? Did you have like nervousness? Of course. He's a celebrity. He's like a God yeah. in the city. But is, is that, am I being silly? Is that, is that something, is that even something advisable to people? Like don't live life with regret. <laughs> You know, um, I'm not sure how much more, how much time we have, but, um, there's a I really important time for you, but I know I promised you an hour and we're, and this has been like the fastest interview we've ever done. <laughs> I'm, yeah, this is, it's blowing my mind how fast it's going, but, um, 
have a very simple exercise. If you want to know what your core values are, uh, this is this is what I would do. What you're talking about, the regrets, I love sharing this with people because it's so simple, but it's so powerful. So if you if you imagine like so I'll have a very quick example. I, I went to uh, do some Santa photos with my brother and my sister uh, at the mall in Square One in Mississauga. Mm-hmm. We do that every single year. We want to send this, <laughs> this cute picture of, of these grown up punk kids to our parents every Christmas. And, uh, at the mall, there's this, there's this guy that I know works at the tuxedo store. We rent tuxedos, you know, every couple of weddings, like we'll rent some tuxedos from him. Mm-hmm. And I know he's there. He helped me buy my first suit when I first got on real estate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was looking for him and he wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, didn't think nothing of it. Christmas passes. New Year's passes a few weeks later into, into January, I open up Facebook and it says RIP, RIP with this guy's name. And I'm like, holy smokes, this guy's two years older than me. I was just thinking about him like nothing. And now, now he's gone. Like what the heck? Right. And at that moment, it made me think about, okay, like tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody. If, if I was going to die tomorrow, what needs to happen? Or what if I, if I died in a year, what, what needs to happen for me to live, feel like I lived an awesome life? For a, so a very simple exercise that your listeners can do to find out what your core values are is to, is to look at if you only had five years left to live, like, like from, you know, it's, if it's 2017 now, you're going to die in 2022. And that's it. Like, that's all the time you get. What needs to happen for you to be able to die with no regrets? For you to be able to say life was incredible. Life was amazing. So these are experiences, achievements, um, accomplishments, things that you never gave yourself or gave your per- yourself permission to have, whatever those things are, there might be four five or six of them. And you're going to write down so many different things like, uh, you know, become an entrepreneur or have 10 investment properties or travel with my family, or you're going to have a bunch of different things. And if you, you know, like I said, in, in this conversation, it's not so much about the content. So I'm not as interested in both the content. Mm-hmm. So you might say travel and I might say, what's important about travel is I I get to explore. And then someone else might say escape and someone else might say education. Someone else might say adventure. So the context is different for everybody. So I would go through each one of those, uh, those accomplishments, those achievements, those experiences and look at why is this important? What would it do for me? And can I sum it up in one word, like a theme that represents it, like a bigger overarching uh, value that this fits inside of. Because if, if exploration is my value, then I'll find other ways to satisfy exploration beyond just the travel. Mm-hmm. So you do that with each one and you'll have these very big, powerful statements and words. And I, I can guarantee you, when you look at them, you'll know it to be true. Those five things are your core values and you were born with them. You were, you were just born with them. And if all of them are running, you will feel effortless. You are in flow. If you have two or three missing, you will feel like something is completely missing. Yes, you have maybe 20 values or 10 values, but these are your core values. So what I would do is write down each of those words, put it up on the wall and start look and start reminding yourself. These are my core values. These are the things that are important to me. Can I begin to have my life be more of a reflection of these things? Right, right. And then, and then, so the investor in me thinks, you know, core value is my family. So, like, yeah, if I go, like, they're well set up. <laughs> and that, and for anyone who feels the same, like, I, I hope that you have the same. 
you know, because uh, I've got a fair amount of portfolio. I've got plenty of insurance. Like they'll be fine. And, uh, and that makes me happy. <laughs> and, 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 so, I don't know if that makes me happy. It makes you happy. And, and yeah, I think it makes you, it makes you happy. It makes you satisfied because it's like, here's a value. You're, so all value is, is this is a priority for you. So you mm-hmm. have a priority and then now you have taken action steps to make sure that you are actually treating those things as priority. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so some people, like many of, like many of us, we will have things that we, we believe our priority, but we are actually aren't doing things or taking steps to actually have those, those things fulfilled. So it's important to look at that and you might have five values. You might have six that are, that are priority to you and you'll see that there's a gap. There's maybe one, two or three of them that could use a little bit more attention because mm-hmm. you might be like, wow, this is a priority and I haven't been doing anything about it. So that's, that's why it's super powerful to consider that question. Crazy. Can, uh, can you share what one of your core values are when you're top two and then what are you doing about it? Yeah. So, um, I have my core values listed on the wall just as a reminder Cool. and I have love, I I have love and that to me is what's important is that I take time uh, for self love as well as connection with my woman, as well as just relationships. So that also translates to connection being in relationship with people. So I spend a lot of time every single week uh, loving and caring for people. That's actually, I view my, how do I fill my calendar? Who am I going to, this is what I, what I ask myself, who am I going to love and care for this week? Like that's literally what I do. Um, Let's do some partner next yoga week. next week. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. Me and Janet just did some partner yoga. Oh my God. It's, it's intense. You don't realize even if you're at the bottom and you're balancing your, your partner on top of you, it's actually, it ends up being a lot of work. It doesn't look like much, but holy smokes. You can be at the um, bottom. <laughs> no, you're bigger than me, man. I, you, you flow me. Uh, growth. I have growth. So, um, growth for me is like, it's constantly learning, constantly, uh, learning as well as, uh, establishing, uh, insight. So I, I, I tend to read books a half a dozen times or even more. That's, I read them like once a year. There's a set of books that I read every single year uh-huh. so that I could, uh, make sure that I'm, I'm in practice of these things. I'm implementing them and also noticing the things that I've, that I haven't been implementing. So I, I will, I will read those books again and just notice, Oh, Oh yeah, there's an insight. And I have, I haven't been, uh, leveraging that. I haven't been making use of it. Uh, so those are, those are the first two. I also have exploration, uh, legacy service and creativity where creativity definitely it's at the bottom. I feel Cause it's like, that's the foundation. I'm so interested in, in creating value, creating a body of work with, you know, the podcast, with my writing, uh, with videos and things like that, and just exploring new ideas. So, uh, yeah, I have those listed. I look at them. I reflect on them every once in a while. I, I, I consider, am I, am I living in alignment with, with these? And even another powerful exercise would be if you do do the exercise to just rate yourself, give yourself an honest one to one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, one to tell, one to 10 rating on each item and then add it all up and then create a percentage. I know you probably calculate cash flow and ROI. This is simpler for you. You can do, <laughs> right? So you can score it out. And, you know, this morning I had a woman and she did her core values with me and uh, she was at 38%. And I was like, what's it like to be 38% of the, the woman that you could be? And it was like a punch in the soul, right? Ouch. 
And so there's, there, there's a lot that comes along with that. We, we get to be a certain way to have 38%, but it also costs us to have that 38% life. So that's a, that, that's a very important thing to, to understand. You know, you do a, you do a, a, a statement of your cash, your, your income and your expenses and your assets and liabilities. And then you do that. You're like, Oh, I'm here. This is exactly where I am. Mm-hmm. But people don't do that with their life. You know, it's the you are here sign of your life when you do your core values and you rate yourself and you find out, wow, I'm only at 30% alignment with my life. That's just a big fat you are here sign of where you are. And then you start looking at where do I want to be? And then you start you start to get an idea of how do you close that gap? How do you move in that direction? Do you know your percentage offhand? I haven't. I, I honestly haven't done it in a while. Okay. I think... So for the listeners, like a lot of these questions were prepared. <laughs> I love them word though, which allows me to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to be honest, like maybe a third of them were prepared. <laughs> uh, Oliver, you mentioned well, that, that whole talking thing and being in, and being interviewed and me ta- like talking nonstop makes me feel like a hypocrite from what we were talking about. <laughs> I'm the waterfall today. Yeah, but our listeners can't learn if you're the one listening. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, totally. Uh, you got a question? Like, I interrupted. Uh, can you give us like the top three, like that that you ha- the, the ones that you, uh, that you mentioned that you're reading like several times a year? Yeah, so I already mentioned uh, Maxwell Maltz's Psycho Cybernetics. Yeah. I read that once a year. Uh, Think and Grow Rich. I yeah. read that at least once a year. Wow. Uh, some very very powerful resources. The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. I read that about twice. Like I literally finished the last page and I started reading right away, like the beginning again. That is such a super powerful tool, whether you are a man or a woman. Uh, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I think that's incredibly important. It, it talks about fear. It talks about fear showing up as resistance. When you want to show up and do your work, there's that, uh, there, there's an aspect of yourself that's just like holding you back and, and limiting you and, um, I think it's important whether you're, you are a creative, an entrepreneur, a thinker, an investor. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Everyone has a specific craft and can benefit from the war of art. So those, are, I would say, those are some pretty decent, decent ones to 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 to, to work with. Um, but the probably the most monumental book, I would say, and I, I do not say that lightly because I read so many books and reread a lot of them last word on power by tracy goss i would say that's probably one of the most powerful resources so i'm just writing it down i've been writing a lot down actually <laughs> God. And again don't listeners like if you're driving don't worry this will be in the show notes on my website mrhamilton.ca uh so uh, oliver wh- where's your podcast where can people find it they can find it. It's called the Oliver Manley Show, and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. Um, if you want to go straight to all the episodes on my website, it's olivermanalise.com slash show. All right. Yeah, so I've been interviewing. So, And here's a premise for, for the new listeners. I am interested in people who've inspired me, who I find influential, I find to be influential uh, as well as influential to many others. So people that, that are, that are admired, but I want to get into what is the, the struggle 
the challenge, the breakdown behind the scenes uh, that, that they are going through in, in a way to humanize them, to, for us to realize that the people we view as our heroes, they are just human beings just like us. And if they can do it, we can do it. And the way that they show up in the face of breakdowns and rock bottoms, it can give us a little bit of insight as to how we can approach and how we can show up when we face the inevitable breakdown and and what what can we put into place so that we actually can break through and reinvent and take ourselves to a, to a new level? So that's been that's been the main premise of of the show. So if you listen to the first episode, couple of episodes, the first first and second episode are about me and my breakdown. So I go a little bit in depth in to what happened during that breakdown of when after I wrote that journal entry of like uh, maybe I don't care about this business anymore because I had a huge rock bottom afterwards. And um, I had a lot like an identity crisis, an existential crisis to deal with. Um, so I share a little bit about that right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oliver, and we're over time, so I apologize. But this has been awesome. No, I'm, no problem. <laughs> this, this, is, this is really, really fun. I really um, I, I want to acknowledge you for, for doing this, for spreading a message about the truth about real estate and, uh, you know, for, for creating so much value for the people around you. It really shows you know, the people who know you and people who are in relationship with you. And even when we were at lunch and someone recognized you and they thanked you in person, like, hey, are you are you the truth about real estate guy? Like, are you are you Irwin? And, and you can see from his eyes, like you, like, you might not know who they are, but they know so much about you and they got a ton of value from you. So um, in so many ways, I look up to you when it comes to uh, to, to business, to to health, to you know, now starting my own podcast and things like that. So you part, you were part of the catalyst. Like you were the person that I spoke to um, at least two or three times right before I'm like, okay, this is, this is happening. I'm going to do this right now. Like you were part of the impetus, man. So, so thank you for, for that. And thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, And, you know, as someone, you're someone who coaches people uh, like you can say, you can teach people as much as you want. It's the, it's the select few that actually take action. So, you know, just uh, happy to be there for you. Uh, and uh, it's an honor when you take uh, advice and you put it into action. So, you know, we give yourself a pat on the back for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's the, that's the only way to honor the fact that you, that you had spent some time with me and sharing your ideas and, and, and what you see as, as possible. The only way to honor it for me is for me to actually go execute on it and explore what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. been really great so far. Oliver, this was an awesome. Uh, I can't say it enough. Uh, for anyone who wants to follow up with you, uh, how should how is that best to be done? Are you on social media, Snapchat, Instagram? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. Twitter. Yeah, I'm. I'm active enough on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me just under my full name, just Facebook.com/slash Oliver Manalise, and the same thing on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, if you are in transition and you are interested in having your life, your work, your relationships be a reflection of your essence, um, I would love to support you uh, in any way that I can. I offer complimentary sessions so that you could actually fully experience what the work is like. It's not some little taster. It's like a full deep dive, and it could be, you know, several sessions. Um, yeah, and, and you can get some more information about that and uh, apply at olivermanalise.com. Super awesome. 
again, folks, don't worry. All this will all be in the show notes. Uh, Oliver, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out for us. Uh, this has been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Thanks, everyone. All right, I'll talk to you again soon. See you soon, man. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Oliver Manley Show. To support the show, please rate us with five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show gain more visibility, which means we can impact even more people who are just like you. People who are rediscovering themselves, their purpose, what's possible for them, and looking to make a difference in the world. For daily stories, insights, and inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Oliver Manolis and at Oliver Manolis Show. If you heard something from the show that really landed for you, please feel free to screenshot it or share a quote from the show on your social media. And be sure to tag us and use the hashtag OMSHOW. That's O-M-SHOW. I make sure to read every single one of your posts and look forward to it. If you're curious about one-on-one coaching with me and want to set up a complimentary session, go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching. This is for you if you're a high achiever who feels spiritually bankrupt, if you want to align with your purpose and create an impact-driven business, if you are interested in creating a meaningful life. If any of this sounds like you, it would truly be an honor to see how I can support you. Go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching and book a complimentary session with me today. Well, that's it for today's episode. For links mentioned today, access to our entire library of episodes, make sure to go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And remember, a new episode drops every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe. We will be back with you before you know it.